The Big Issue. The Africa business agenda is a fundamental shift from what we've seen over the last decade or so. It's slowly but surely gaining traction. 20 years ago, Africa was a destination for aid. It was a lost cause. And now, for many reasons, that view is switching to a business view. People are wealthier, they're healthier, they've got money to spend, and the continent is being seen as a business opportunity. Lyle White, Dr. Lyle White, Director at the Centre for Dynamic Markets at the Gordon Institute of Business Science. The, the, the rise of Africa is not an accident, Lyle. This has been coming gradually and very slowly for a long time. Yes, uh, evening, Bruce. You know, we, we've often looked at Africa, and when we look at uh, the economic prospects on the continent, uh, many of the, the people following what is going on across the continent um, attribute to the growth and this enormous um, rise and all the opportunities. They attribute this to uh, the commodity boom. And recent research that we've conducted at, um, at Gibbs uh, in the Center for Dynamic Markets suggests that this is actually more structural than we give it uh, credit for, um, where there's been real progress in institutional reform and real changes in the structural political economies of these countries uh, across the continent. Because it's all well and good to say, you know, Angola's GDP growing at 7% a year. It's growing at 7% a year from virtually nothing um, after you know decades of civil war and tearing itself to pieces. There's some very nice oil business going on, some very nice diamond business going on, but there's also a huge swathe of, of, of deep and quite abject poverty in, in parts of Angola, um, which you know, tells a very different story. Yeah, indeed. We, we can't base um, uh, our economic analyses on, purely on GDP growth. This is precisely what uh, Minister Gordon declared at, uh, at Davos, that we've got to look beyond um, just GDP growth rates and even demographics. We've got to look at the structural changes that are taking place and especially on how institutions are developing and how they're going to start integrating different sectors of the economy, uh, a, a broader base of the populations there, how we're going to build a consumer, a, a consumer spending, as you mentioned, as, you, as we kicked off. And, um, and you know, the research that we're looking at really does show which countries in Africa are really starting to emerge as those countries that will sustain economic growth and development in years to come, because those are going to be the, the great prospects for the future. What are they? Well, um, according to some of our research, some of the, the most likely candidates don't come out as high up as we, as we had hoped. Um, you know, what, what, what was your assumption when you went in to do the research? What was the assumption and where were you surprised? Well, our assumption was that um, that economies across Africa need um, a strong institutional base. Obviously, as you were mentioning before, the base that they, they are coming off is usually pretty low. So we had to take that base into account. And we looked at really the, the change of institutions, the, the institutional evolution, if you like, between 2006 and 2012 and how these countries had performed over that period um, and, and if they had performed relatively well that would translate into economic growth and development going forward and uh, you know I anticipated countries like Nigeria, Kenya um, perhaps even Angola and Mozambique doing very very well but countries that did remarkably well which came off a very low base admittedly were countries like Rwanda, Burundi, Mozambique and those and then when we took into account uh, the base level of which they came off because you know we have to compare apples with apples etc so we can't compare Rwanda with maybe Singapore 
Singapore or or other dynamic markets across the globe in, in Latin America, etc. But when we took the the base levels uh, uh, of which they came, the, the the likely suspects came up once again, um, or not the likely suspects, those that have performed pretty well in the African context. The likes of Botswana and Mauritius did very very well, and um, and then some of the, and even Tunisia and North Africa has done remarkably well. Whereas um, unfortunately, despite the progress and despite the, the, the size of the market in, in Nigeria and all this excitement that we've seen, Nigeria hasn't actually um, uh, developed its institutions as effectively between 2006 and 2012 or as much as we had, liked, as we, as we had hoped. Okay, but, but Nigeria is poised, we're told, to become the biggest economy on the African continent. It is the big gorilla. So much focus is not shifting away from South Africa, but is, there's plenty of new focus on Nigeria. Explain to me then the disconnect between what companies are seeing, what corporates are seeing, what the, the data is suggesting about Nigeria and what you're finding. Okay, well, yeah, that's the, that's the great question because what we are doing is we're providing – Really, uh, just a reference, another point of reference to to analyze these markets. And while there are enormous growth prospects in Nigeria, and you're right, the Nigerian economy will soon, when it is rebased, leapfrog the South African economy. But we need to look a little bit deeper. We need to look at the degree of sophistication in the Nigerian market. So if you look at some of the institutions, um, what is red tape like? Um, uh, how open and connected is Nigeria with the rest of Africa and with the world? Uh, what is their monetary policy? Uh, how is that progressing? over the last few years and then take into account some of the the more human development and political institutions uh, that prevail and how have those performed and um, those don't or they indicate that Nigeria hasn't made a great deal of progress between 2006 and 2012 admittedly since 2010 funny enough they actually have made some progress so it does it does look very very positive there are enormous opportunities as we know and we saw our retailers and you spoke about uh, ShopRite last week ShopRite has done remarkably well in, in Nigeria, but we must also remember that other retailers like Woolworths yep. have done less well. So we have to understand the environments. We have to get a, a we have to gain a much more contextual understanding of the environments in which we are going into. Merely uh, uh, over and above just looking at the growth rates and the and the, the returns on investments or the supposed returns returns on investments. But if we're looking at the Africa superstars, we're looking at Botswana, Mauritius, and Tunisia. We also like the look of Rwanda, Burundi, and Mozambique. Beak, but I'm interested in your prognosis for the likes of Nigeria then and Kenya and Angola, for example. These are the supposed go-to economies on the African continent. You're not marking them down as basket cases. You're just marking them down as actual underperformers, I suspect. Exactly. So um, this this research really looks at um, look looks beyond the growth rates, as I mentioned. And as we know, Kenya actually hasn't had enormously impressive growth rates, but there's been other uh, impressive developments around ICT, etc. But you you are correct. Uh, you know, uh, Kenya, Nigeria, uh, Angola, and Ethiopia. Let's not forget about oh, Ethiopia, yeah. which has got um, uh, is which has got the second largest population in sub-Saharan Africa at about 90 million people. Now these countries um, are of way behind in terms of their institutional evolution or in terms of building the uh, competitive performance of their economies. Um, and what I'm suggesting or what we are suggesting through this research is that policymakers in those countries need to address these um, these these institutional voids, if you like, uh, to catch up and to ensure that they become competitive on a global scale. As these African economies become increasingly globalized, they need to compete with their counterparts in Latin America and and Asia for uh, essentially scarce 
capital. Because, I mean, basing your economic assumptions or your investment assumptions purely on the concept of GDP growth, gross domestic product, uh, and the growth in that and saying, oh, here's a country growing at 5% a year. Countries can grow so quickly and in such a, a, a higgledy-piggledy fashion, to use the technical term, uh, that they end up actually having absolutely nothing to support that growth. And that's when you have financial calamities, as I would suggest is perhaps happening in somewhere like Argentina right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and often that, that growth, uh, and we've seen astronomical growth in countries like the DRC, but the growth isn't inclusive and it doesn't take the rest of the population with it. So uh, in creeps, um, social problems, um, a, a, a lot of other uh, uh, development deficiencies, and this needs to be addressed. This is actually one of my concerns at the moment with Mozambique, which is a, an economy that has grown by 8 plus percent for the last uh, uh, 15 years or so, and it, it is, and it is expected to grow by more than eight, eight to ten percent over the next 15 years, given the the enormous amounts of resources and the oil and gas that have been discovered in the north of Mozambique. But the big question is whether they will be able to convert that growth into real development for the whole country, and that's around what the institutions and the management of the economy is all about. And Mozambique's geography makes that sort of uh, activity very, very tough indeed. I'm talking to Dr. Lyle White, Director for the Centre of Dynamic Markets at the Gordon Institute of Business Science. It's not just about gross domestic product. Um, it's uh, more about more fundamental structural issues within the African continent. And also, it highlights, and I'll pick up with this with uh, Lyle White uh, in a moment, moment it also highlights the fact that so many people make the mistake we're going to africa it's a very big very complicated very diverse and never a simple place in which to do business as south african companies have learned to their cost and many global players learn to their cost as well as they make certain assumptions so dr lyle white's here our myth buster on various african countries coming up in a moment the money show the big issue. A big issue this evening is the real performance of the African continent economies within the African continent. The ones that uh, Dr. Lyle White, the director at the Centre for Dynamic Markets at Gibbs, says have uh, continued to perform well. Botswana, Mauritius and Tunisia, structurally sound economies. Rwanda, Burundi and Mozambique doing well. Underperformers include Nigeria, Kenya and Angola from the point of view of creating the, the infrastructure, the structures to support the economic growth that we're seeing. Are you concerned right now, Lyle White, about what's brewing um, in Argentina? We see the Turks are beginning to get a little bit concerned. We had suggestions this evening on the money show uh, from the guys that invest in asset management, Peter Kent, who's a, a portfolio manager there, that we actually need interest rates to rise in South Africa in order to mitigate uh, dreadful pain later on this year. Are you feeling a little bit uh, fragile in your study of dynamic markets? Yeah, Argentina is of of, of grave concern. But, you know, Argentina has been um, really the great underperformer, uh, as was mentioned in, by one of your earlier speakers this evening, has been one of the great underperformers for performers for many years, despite economic growth. And let's not forget that post-2001, post the uh, uh, the crisis in 2001 in Argentina, the economy grew by seven, eight, nine percent for many uh, for for a couple of years, but what they failed to do during that period was uh, was put into place strong and efficient institutions, political, social, and economic institutions, and then a 
according to our research, uh, and especially between 2006 and 2012, Argentina actually went backward in, in its institutional development. It regressed, and, um, and we, call, we call it an adynamic market because it's, it's come off a relatively solid base, but it really is one of the great underperformers. Unfortunately, there's a couple of other underperformers in Latin America, which does uh, concern me, especially given my personal interest in Latin America. It's, you know, countries like um, Venezuela have also done particularly poorly, and, um, and we can see that in terms of their performance over the last seven years or so. So Argentina, Venezuela, the others that are poor, which are on the other side of the, the globe, really, Pakistan, you know, um, nothing, nothing uh, cripples an economy more than uh, a war in conflict, you know, and that's, that is a very, very big concern uh, for those countries as well. Where does South Africa stack up? So South Africa comes in uh, at a solid static market, if you like. Oh, so awesome. over the last um, over the last uh, six or seven years, granted, uh, Bruce, I think I should just uh, uh, highlight the fact that this has been a, 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 a pretty tumultuous time to analyze these markets. You know, between sure. 2006 to 2012, we had the financial crisis. We've had the Arab Spring. We've had disruption in the markets with the rise of the rest and the decline of the West, um, these types of things. So this has actually disrupted the markets. And by and large, countries have been static and a lot more conservative if you like. But South Africa comes in at a, sto- uh, at a solid static ca- uh, economy, which is concerning because if we are trying to build a competitive performance in South Africa to attract much needed capital around the world, we need to be more competitive than our counterparts in Latin America and, and uh, Southeast Asia. But these are dynamic markets and dynamism doesn't mean it's a one-way bet. It's, it doesn't mean that these things go up in a straight line. There are dynamic markets that will succeed. There are dynamic markets that will fail. And it's that that dynamism that will be, I suppose, the great differentiator. Yeah, you, know, uh, you know, we always we talk about uh, the restless energy in these uh, in these markets, and what I what I look at, and and you know, if you get off the aeroplane in Lagos, you are overwhelmed by that restless energy. Uh, but the the big the big test is whether in Lagos and in Nigeria you can harness that energy and you can manage it in a more constructive way to build an economy uh, for for the country and actually for the future. When we look at it and we look at the, the state of the world, BRICS versus Mint versus Africa, Brazil, give, give me a, a picture as to how you see um, your, your dynamic markets complex. So, well, that's the that's the interesting question. You know, there's a lot of hype now around the mints. Um, um, I see that uh, Jim O'Neill from Goldman Sachs has coined another one that we're going to uh, look into. But you know, human nature we like we like these little collectives. Uh, over the last uh, six or seven years, the bricks have done relatively poorly. But as one of the reports that I was reading today, I believe it's the PwC report, it said not all bricks are a, a single brick, and we've been saying this for a long time. And it, this goes for all dynamic or emerging markets. That we can't. Uh, the 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 real danger is lumping them all together and thinking they're all the same. These are economies with vastly different levels of development and sophistication. And the same goes for the BRICS. But the BRICS, by and large, were poor performers, except for China. Funny enough, in terms of institutional development, they've done pretty well since 2006. But the the static markets were the likes of of Russia and South Africa. India did even uh, was was even a, a poorer performer, which we have seen now in terms of its performance, its economic performance over the last two years and brazil was the the real the real uh, uh, buster in the in in the collective brazil's um uh, institutions and uh, institutional progress if you like was 
uh, was backward. And um, you know, uh, last year when we saw the the biggest riots in in of this generation taking place in the streets of Rio and São Paulo, uh, and now obviously the the underperformance or the under preparation for the World Cup, uh, you kind of start understanding the the uh, the, the broader picture behind. Brazil's lackluster performance overall. So Brazil is also another great uh, uh, concern for us. Um, I, I thought mid- you were. I mean, if there was a Brazil fan club anywhere in the world, you would nominate. You would have five years ago have nominated yourself as its president, wouldn't you? Um, of the Brazil fan club, you, you you like the economy, you like the country, you like the way it operates, don't and you? I like visiting Brazil quite. A, uh, mm. I like visiting it frequently, Bruce. You know that. So, <laughs> but um, as we know, Brazil in 2010 was one of the best performing economies. It was one of these countries that, that really, I mean, it, they elected their first female president. Their, their middle class seemed to come to the fore, but it wasn't sustained. And that's what our, our research, our analysis has now told us, is that they didn't put in place the right institutions. That They weren't able to sustain those levels of growth and development. Look, they're still, they're still performing pretty well. Um, you must remember that there are still relatively uh, impressive returns on certain investments. They are making progress in social development, but Brazil could do a lot better. Brazil seems to have re, uh, readopted that mantle of the country of the future, and it always will be, and it will continue to do that if it doesn't fix its institutions. It's as simple as that. But, but it puts paid so often to the point of all you need is economic growth. If you've got economic growth, the problems sort out, sort themselves out because economic growth um, can sort of lift all ships. What economic growth does is it probably hides for a long period of time the structural flaws that exist within economies and within societies. And the moment that growth disappears, well, it's like, you know, the lift doors opening and there is no lift there to catch you as you step in. Yeah, economic growth is an important prerequisite, but we need much more of inclusive growth, especially because of the enormous disparities that we have in our economies and in these dynamic markets that we're looking at. And these are economic and social disparities. And, and obviously, these end up per- permeating into, uh, into political uh, disparities. And we've seen this in a lot of the literature around institutions, how important political institutions are in driving uh, uh, economic and ultimately social institutions as well. So when you look at South Africa, the Africa uh, dynamic markets complex. Are we headed in the right direction? Do you see concerns? Are you worried? Um, yeah, I'm, I am a little bit concerned. To be uh, to be frank, uh, we need to we need to be aware in South Africa of our role not only in Africa but in in the global context and how important it is to um, to not rest on our laurels and to to continue to build our competitive performance in the economy. And that's not just our economic performance. It's also how we build our institutions around our political and social structures. And this is important in terms of attracting investment and, and building this, this enabling environment, not only enabling for business, but enabling a living environment as well. In, in the African context, we all know that we are one of the slowest growing economies on, in, in Africa, but we are still by far the most sophisticated economy in sub-Saharan Africa. We have a real role to play and we can grow our economy and we can certainly uh, achieve impressive returns for our companies if we manage to actually develop the institutional base and and basically uh, link up with the rest of Africa and its growth story much more effectively. And that can be done through uh, more progressive institutions uh, in South Africa and uh, then connected into the rest of Africa in terms of this openness and connectedness. Dr. Lyle White, Director at the Centre for Dynamic Markets at Gibbs. Thanks very much for sharing your research. That research being published a little later this week, but the insight being provided by Lyle White from Gibbs this evening.